I am sitting in my house today with my friend Joshua Spurlock. Joshua, thanks for joining me. And another section of Zero to 60. So you've got a great story. I was telling you before here how much I looked up to you and how I was really excited to have you on because I know everyone here is going to love hearing the story about how you work for free, how you used to do this, how you met a girl and motivated, got married, the whole shebang. So I'm super excited to hear it. So again, this is a episode called Zero to 60 where we're going to try to figure out how you got making $0,000 a year all the way to at least 60K. Um, you're obviously doing really great now, so we're not going to get into that, but just in the start of your career when you were a young chap like how um that's the story you want to hear so to give our listeners like a little bit of a background tell me like where you're from and what kind of family you grew up in okay so i'm from charlotte north carolina pretty much my whole life um grew up in a nice conservative family i was homeschooled uh nice. you know religious background so like pretty much um was set up pretty well to succeed got a college degree um, and really there was no, there was really nothing I would say that had me like behind the eight ball to start, so to speak. So got out of college and things were going well. So nothing well. like behind the eight ball, but you're like, you're pretty normal. I mean, you're not like six, seven, you know, well, I didn't future play, NBA yeah, player. Yeah, I didn't make it to the NBA. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't even close. And, you know, well, see, I think, I feel like really in many ways I was a poster child for the millennial, um, crisis during the great recession all right because like basically i graduated with a college degree in journalism which i have to say doesn't make very much money at all all uh, right but you before we get to college you grew up like pretty middle class family oh like, yeah did you have a job growing up or were you like just spoiled my, and, and read books all day <laughs> um a little both uh my dad <laughs> my so my dad uh works in an airline but he also wrote software on the side all right and so i got a chance to help him out some with his business but not really on the software side more just like you know man the, the labeling discs back in the day it tells you how old i am wow you know and stuff like that just like odds and ends um i did some you know child care type work and small stuff but nothing like i didn't have like a steady steady job um, now, growing up, seeing your dad work a full-time job and also having a side business, would you say that impacted you? Because you, you have a side business now and also work a full-time job. Like, how, seeing that work ethic, what what impact did that have on you? The biggest thing I think that my dad tried to give me was the desire, the understanding that work is good. And, um, and I, I think that that definitely helped motivate me to realize that, like, work is more than just earning a paycheck. It's about doing... It's about doing good work, and like if I want to do well, it's about ultimately, uh, ultimately it's about pleasing God. So it's about like my my work ethic is more than just what my boss can see, or even what my boss cares about. It's about doing the best job that I can do um, while I'm on the clock. Wow, that's such a good principle to to teach and to learn. I am definitely gonna write that one down. So work is good. Work is good. Not like do good work or not like anything. That was just like very simple. Work is good for for you, for for humans, for wow. That's that's really cool. Well, I think that like um, there's a book entitled uh, "Every Good Endeavor." I think every good work, something like that. Um, and the idea in that one that I thought was really cool is to say that like when you're working, in effect, you're partnering with God in creation. Every job has a value to the universe, really. I mean, whether you're cleaning up bathrooms or whether you're 
you know, putting together rockets. It's like you're doing work that's making something new. You're making the world a better place. You're doing something that benefits somebody else. So your paycheck is really just a side benefit. What ultimately matters is that you are working uh, and doing something to help better humanity. And so, like, if you think about it that way, then, like, there really is no bad job. I've never heard it described like that. How can you not? If, if I was a kid and grew up hearing that every day, how could I not be excited just to get out of bed? Yeah, it's at the same time. Like, I mean, you know, everyone probably has their lazy stage coming out of college and whatnot. So, like, it's not to say that I totally understood that. Uh, um, oh, but I, but I, but my dad did a really good job of building into me a good work ethic, and that really played a big role in my career. Because, well, I mean, I don't want to get into it now, but I have had jobs that definitely were not fun <laughs> so it's like that's it's in those times when you really you have to have a character for it because the last thing you want to do is get out of bed and go to your job yeah, yeah yeah all right so take me through your first was your your first like paying job like first time you started on cash it could be mowing the grass selling lemonade was there anything before college where you were earning some money um like i said child care was a lot of like i'd work at my church for a little bit or i'd, I'd babysit some um i worked a little bit for my dad again this is all like minimum wage jobs um and it was mostly just for like some spare cash here and there i worked at a summer camp all right so nothing like full-time no. three-year gig at dairy queen or i hadn't done anything like that so i think in some ways that was it was it was fun and I gave me a chance to focus on my studies and things like you that and be school in school. But it um it definitely <laughs> left my resume lacking a little bit <laughs> when I started looking for work. So that was a well, little so bit you but got it didn't really to, affect so much at first. You got to college how did you choose Winthrop University? Well it was Wingate. No, Wingate. Two, oh, two, sorry. I know it's, it's it's not you're not the first one to make that mistake. All right. Wingate um, University. Yeah. Uh that was mostly okay, so c- growing up in a religious home, it was technically a religious school. Turned out that was what it used to be, not really what it still is. But um it was also close to home and um it was small, which I kinda liked the idea of growing up as a homeschooler. I had a, I was like, you know, I was both first and last in my class. So <laughs> I just wanted to like, I wanted to have an opportunity to do something that seemed sim- or where I was comfortable and it, it looked like it'd be a good opportunity the, it's the thing about a small school is it gives you lots of opportunity to do stuff. Like I got to be editor in chief of my school paper by the time huh. I left on the backside, it doesn't help you much with networking afterwards unless you really maximize that there. And I didn't understand that when mm. I was there. You went to this school. Did you live at home or did you live on campus? Uh, both. Both. So I did a little bit of both. Um, uh, living on campus was really fun. I don't think it added much of anything to my life <laughs> beyond okay. like long term. Like at the time, it was really fun. I had yeah. good friends, but nothing like. Um, I I don't know personally. If I look back on it, it's like I I can see that there's a lot of virtue in just commuting in because it saves so much saves money. So much money. What was it like to go from being the first and last in your class, being a homeschool to go into an institution of higher learning and meeting all these different people with all these different backgrounds. What was that like as an 18 year old when you, when you walked on campus for the first time? Um, well, okay. So my, uh, first off, like my, my parents did a really good job of teaching me at home to teach myself. So that was one of the things so you learned how to learn, learn how to learn. And that's have to say, I think I learned that from you. You got, you said <laughs> you're, t- you told me one time I was like, teach your kids doesn't really matter what you teach your kids but teach them to love learning and teach them to learn how to learn if you can do that you can do anything because i think that was when i when i came into um college i i kid you not i had to learn how to do less homework 
because wow. I started working. I mean, I started doing like the classes work and stuff. And about halfway through my freshman year, I realized that the professor doesn't grade you on like two thirds of what they assign. And most of it doesn't really matter unless you're just curious. So I actually, I was, I was actually kind of killing myself trying to keep up with every single assignment and maximize everything. And then it's like, this actually isn't helping at all. So like I had to learn to scale back, which is kind of weird, but like, but that was the idea. Like my parents did such a good job of teaching me how to teach myself that, um, I didn't need a professor necessarily. And that's, I don't have to be arrogant. It's like, I really credit my parents for that. Like my mom, when I was like 12, she gave me an assignment for the week. She's like, here's all the work you got to do for all week long. You have until Friday to finish it. If you don't, you're in big trouble, but you just, you know, pace yourself, do however much you can do each day. And, um, and I think that that really taught me how to, um, focus and get it and be self-disciplined. And then she literally hand me a book and, as I got older into high school, hand me a book. I would read all the stuff. I take the test. All she really had to do was grade it. So that really helped me with that. Helps learn everyone. Learn. Say what? Helps everyone. Right. Yeah. It helps everyone. Yeah. My mom too. Yeah. Um, you when you got to to Wingate, did you know you were going to major in journalism? No. I'm saying it right. Wingate, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Did you know you were going to major in journalism, or did you choose that a few years in? Um, I was. I, well, I got there and I started working with the school paper like almost right away. I knew I liked writing. And I wanted to do some journalism work, but I wasn't sure if that was what I wanted to major in. You said you knew you liked writing. Did you keep a journal growing up? How did you discover that? Okay, again, I my um, I really owe so much to my mom. Anyway, so she like she totally made me write as a kid. It's for school. She made me keep a journal for school. She made me write short stories for school. She made me write papers for school. And there were definitely times when I was like eight years old and I was crying because I did not want to have to write another page, but my mom made me do it anyway. And so, and I, I'd like to think I got okay at it, pretty good at it. And so I found myself as a senior in high school, actually finding that my, my English class was my favorite class. I loved writing. It was really fun. Um, and so when I got to college, that's like, oh, I love this. I just make this a career. I had no idea that like most art related jobs, there's no money in that career, but it was a good skill, and I still use it today, so there are benefits to it, too. Walk me through just developing your love for writing. Like, how did you push through the hobby stage? Like, oh, I really like this. But then actually getting good at that craft, you have to actually work out the muscle mm. and and continue to write. Sometimes when you don't want to write, it's kind of like going to the gym or anything else. Walk me through exercising your writing muscle and going from the hobby stage to, like, I really like doing this and it's fun because I'm actually good at it. It's so funny you phrase it that way. I would, I, I think really a lot of it was just getting pushed as a kid because by the time I got to be like an older teen, um, I wasn't necessarily writing like fiction's never been my thing. I tried writing fiction. I just don't have the stamina for it. It takes a lot of work. Um, but um, the biggest thing was I liked reading and I enjoyed talking and thinking about what I was reading. And so I would, I realized, part of how I realized I liked writing was I would, um, I could like, I'd write like whole things in my head. You know, I'd, be, I'd read a sports article and then I would think about like, you know, why Shaquille O'Neal's going to do well or do badly the next year, you know, and I'd spend like mowing the lawn and I'm writing like a thousand page essay in my head, you know, and so it's like, it was when I, um, when I got a chance to start writing uh, like actual like critical thinking writing as a senior in high school, I realized that this was actually a lot of fun. Um, I had someone besides my, I was actually going to community college for um, concurrent education then. So I had someone besides my mom telling me that I was good at it. 
and that's that really helps. Good. Yeah, it helps. And it just really was like uh, I realized that it it gave me like a it would give me a, a way to express myself. You know, I, I I'm not good at music. I can't draw anything, not even a straight line. So um, it gave me a way to sort of put myself out there, and that was that was fun. I love that you said that. It gave me a way to express myself. I feel a, a lot of the same way. Whether it's you have to find like if you're not musically talented, I'm definitely not. But humans, I feel like, need a way to express ourselves. So whether that's in sports or like for you, it's writing. I know I love have have come to love writing as well. Um, and it's really freeing and empowering to find a way to express yourself like in mm-hmm. the external. That's that's really cool that you said that. The biggest thing, though, I say if you want to be good at writing is read. Mm-hmm. I mean, and read hard stuff. I, mean, I was right. 12 years old. My mom gave me. Uh, yeah, what's pages. a hard what's a hard stuff? Okay, so I I I was even younger than twelve, maybe maybe it was like eleven, and I was always a voracious reader as a kid. But I read like Hardy. And Boys. your family's like really big into history. So history, I, literature. I mean, we would read. My family is a re- book reading family. My yeah, dad yeah. can literally take a novel and finish it in like two days. Wow. Um. I uh. And so I I used to read like crazy as a kid. And I still find that to be like my most relaxing hobby. Huh. But then um when I uh I was um probably like 11 years old and my mom gave me like weathering heights and i think i read about five ten pages from my as i get a headache you know like it's like old english and it's even hard to understand because it's all this imagery and anyway but like i seriously she gave me uh, my first assignment for reading classical literature was david copperfield from david charles dickens uh when i was 12 and i then i loved it so much i read like basically every classical book in our library no way for the next two years so it's like one of those things where um I grew up up reading like the King James version of the Bible. I was about to say that because I remember you told me one time from a purely academic standpoint, uh, people should read the King James Bible just to work on their literature, like literary skills. Yeah, it helps. It's funny because like, I mean, today my professional job uh, working in a bank has nothing to do really specifically with writing on a daily basis. Could you ever put some old English in your compliance work? Uh, I do use the, I do use the word therein from time to time, wow. so um, that's probably the closest I get. But actually, it's funny because I actually had one of my coworkers today like compliment me on my writing skills. Wow! So with like, just like you know manuals and stuff. So I think that's like you can use it anywhere. So this definitely I would say like if like you know I'm I'm gonna have a kid this sometime later this year. So wow. um, thinking that that's one of the things I would really want to instill in them is communication skills. Like you just t- you have to be able to talk, have to be able to listen. You have to be able to write. Definitely. Even if it doesn't necessarily be what your career is, like those are skills that you need. Yeah. The world requires those. More importantly, it's like, it's amazing how fast you will get turned down for something if you can't, uh, don't present yourself well. That first Mm -hmm. impression is critical. So if you can communicate well in whatever format, that increases your chances much more of getting that interview or getting that second chance. I want to save that one for about 10 more minutes and really explore your thoughts on that. Okay. I want to hear that. Um, you're in college, right. you, you picked a major journalism, somehow found that love for writing. Um, did you ever work or anything in college or have any internships? Um, yes. So my, in college I worked, first off I worked for my school paper, which this, this will tell you, uh, one of the, we had a, um, motivational speaker tell you like if you do a job for free, then you know, you love the job. So I like working for my school paper, you get like a pathetic little scholarship and basically every all, every hour you spend on the paper is for free. So wow. that was good for me because I think it, it like it helped reinforce how much I enjoyed doing it. 
And then when I, uh, and I worked my way up, I started like little tiny sports reporter covering like the men's soccer team, which if you live in America. Have you always grown up with like a love for sports? I love sports. I love always love sports. But like if you live in America, soccer has to be like one of those sports <laughs> that every kid plays and no adult watches. Yeah. So it's <laughs> a like good way one, to put it. Yeah. So it's like, it, like, you know, I started at the bottom basically. I remember my first article I wrote and, um, ah, man. The, the 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 like the editor was like this is nothing like we were looking for like start over like oh man and this is before the day where you could see like 213 people viewed this like this, yeah, is, exactly. this is like literally oh, the paper we literally the paper we're we're literally printing on pieces of paper um which yeah that's a whole nother well that's part of the topic of why I changed careers but the point <laughs> is that um this is way back in the day but no I, but then working my way up I eventually got to be editor in chief wow. uh, for my school paper it's not a huge accomplishment being from a small school. But it just shows that I was dedicated to it, and it meant something to me, and I just kept moving up. And I, I think that Did was you say good. that really grew your mind from going from being an editor to writing the whole paper. Like I had your brother-in-law, my good friend Greg Bartos, on here, and he said, you know, one of the things in a job that you need to start to do is to think like the CEO. Say if the CEO mm. like was was watching you, what would he have you do right now? Like what is he thinking about your job? Would you say like getting to the editor in chief like? taught you a different way to think versus just writing about soccer games uh in some ways it probably helped me better think about like planning and organizing uh in advance coming up with ideas for articles and stuff because i was managing all that i think it also i don't think i learned the lesson very well but it helped lay some of the groundwork for realizing that when you're in charge you can't do everything yourself yeah because i definitely i remember this one week where basically i wrote everything practically in the news section of the paper because we didn't have a lot of staff and it was just easier for me to do it. And it's like, but I was exhausted. I bet. It was not, (laughs) it was not the best way to do that. And I think that that's like my long-term goal. Now I eventually want to be a manager and whatnot, manage people. And, um, I look back at an experience like that to remember like, okay, I have to learn how to delegate. Like I can't do it all myself. That's great lessons to learn. But the editor-in-chief point was actually how I got my very first job out of college. Oh, talk They to saw me. that specifically, and that's what they liked, which was funny because for all you who are students out there, our, uh, getting good grades is important because it shows you have intention. It shows that you're disciplined, whatever else. But if you're putting grades ahead of internships or doing projects in your field, that's a waste of time, quite frankly, because yeah. I got there, and I had a almost a 4.0. Wow. But that was totally irrelevant. I got my job and I my when they hired me for, you know, tiny little community newspaper, it was nothing big, and they didn't make a single mention of my grade point average. Wow. Like they didn't even really comment on my internships. What they really commented on was I was editor in chief of my school paper because they they were they were going to be small. They had like a staff of like 8, so they wanted somebody who could do everything. Yeah. And I did like I worked for them and I w- did everything from like helping like edit the the text on the page to writing the articles to I'm not joking, delivering the newspaper. <laughs> so uh, you, you like I think that that was what they were looking for. And that's that's what I'm saying is like you you need the experience more so than the head knowledge because the head knowledge you can pick up anywhere. Wow. You mentioned the word internships before we get in your first job that you got from being editor in chief. What were those internships that you had in college? So two lessons learned here. Number one, get an internship. Number two, make sure it's better than the ones that I got. So <laughs> I got I got internships, but um, I wasn't like, I didn't really know what I was doing. 
quite frankly. And working in a small school, you really puts a lot of pressure on the student to be creative. And since I didn't know what I was doing, I worked for like a tiny little community paper around me, and that was good. And I spent like the summer writing articles for them. Um, I got an internship with like a local, um, like a news magazine kind of thing. So all these internships are journalism focused. Journalism focused. But the problem was this, I didn't realize at the time, and I learned this when I was looking for a job many years later, um, was that I really wish now that I had spent time finding, the, going to kind of get that big internship, you know, mm. going to like the major newspaper in the biggest town near, city nearby or trying to do like uh, a, something really, really impressive because the thing is your resume, you think to yourself, my body of work will speak for itself. But the reality is you need somebody else to speak for you. Yeah. And if you don't go to places that have names that people will recognize and will trust, then you don't have the network that you're going to need for someone to be your voice. And I thought that people could look at, you know, my stack of articles that I've written or see that, yeah, I wrote that article about a women's basketball game for the Houston Chronicle for one time, you know, because I wasn't interning. I just did a, you know, a single article for them and that would like catch their eye. But that stuff doesn't really matter that much because what they really want to see is does somebody I trust trust you? Wow. That's such a good lesson. I feel like there's a huge misconception out there. I fell into this in college. Sounds you're you're telling me a similar story, but as, you know, an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, you're thinking, "Well, I can't go work for the Wall Street Journal. It's it's not possible, but if I start working at enough small places, then maybe the Wall Street Journal will will look at me." But in reality, it's you do everything you can to go get on those big names, whether you have to sweep the floor or anything, get the Wall Street Journal, get the General Electrics, the Coca-Colas, the Fortune 500 companies on your resume. Then it's a whole lot easier to go from big to small than it is to go from small to big. Yeah, and I think that you put words to it. Just those right. you're you're aligning yourself with a brand that people trust and you already have credibility because they're vouching for you. Right. And you get your foot in the door. I mean. Um, whatever that might look like. Because even though in the end, like my professor worked for the Charlotte Observer. That's the largest paper in our area. But I didn't go work for the Charlotte Observer. If I had tried to, and he may have had connections to get me an opportunity, but he didn't think of it. I didn't ask. So as a result, I didn't have that to fall back on, um, which meant more later. I, I, think, I, think, I think it's hard. It's like you're 20 years old. You know, you don't even have any idea how the real world really works. Yeah. Well, I didn't anyway. And you go out and um, you don't realize that the money you're making when you're 30 depends a lot more on what you do when you're 20 than you might expect. Yeah. Harvey McKay has this great quote. He says, learn in your 20s, earn in your 30s. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good way to look at it. I think that that's. Yeah. And I like Harvey McKay. (laughs) He'll make a reappearance in this interview, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. He's he's the best. So you get these internships. Um, you've got a few things going on. So all your internships are kind of journalism focused. And then after school, you go work for this little paper. Um, in this little paper that you're working for, first job out of college, you got it not because of your GPA. You got it because of what you did, like an actual thing, being an editor-in-chief of a paper. What is your income at this small little paper right after college? Like four-year degree first job boom like what is what's the red carpet look like here okay so first off um uh this is a decade ago which just shows how old i am now but um 
if I remember correctly, I think it was $22,000 a year, which at the time to me felt like a pretty big amount Making of money. Making it rain. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, I mean, because I, I totally pulled the boomerang move. So I went to school and lived on campus, but the way that my school was set up, the, uni- the apartments were on campus. So huh. I didn't have a long-term lease. So that meant when I graduated, I went back and moved to my parents. You know, I'm living upstairs yeah. in their house. Um, it's cutting, saving money on living expenses. So I'm making 22K a year and that's more than enough for my, you know, gas and whatever else I need. And then I'm just able to put money away in savings, which I have to also say, just a side note, then do with career. If you have a job that pays more than you need when you're young and single, either use that money to travel or save because those are the only yeah. two things you really can't do <laughs> when you start to yeah, build a family. You definitely don't need stuff. When no, you do age. not need stuff. Oh my goodness, no, you do not need stuff. And you don't really, I mean, re- yeah, no, you don't really need anything. That's the beauty about it yeah. is you, like you can literally sleep on a couch you can. or at your parents' house. And, yeah, you can. And you you don't need the nicest clothes, you don't need the nicest car. It's like you really just about getting through life and um and kind of making the most of that. And so if you can lay some groundwork there that you can use later, that's one of the few things I did do. I felt like really well early in my career was save money. And I really, you know, thank God for that. Cause I think that paid off later because my wife and I were able to get a house quick in our marriage and, you know, things like that. So, wow. $22,000 a year. So we're trying to get zero to 60. So that's a third of the way there, which is really cool. Um, 22,000, we'll call that maybe 10 or 11 bucks an hour. Probably. Probably. Um, you're probably, you're probably, is it salary 22K? It's officially salary. Because I'm guessing if you're delivering papers and writing, you're working a little more than eight hours a day probably. It depended. Like, it was so funny because I think I started off, I was, okay, again. I can't get over it. Like, was that in your entry job description? They're like, oh, you're going to do all this cool stuff and you're going to deliver papers. No, it was not. Actually, <laughs> they just, they, you know, they, their delivery guy wasn't feeling good or they had more, he couldn't run the whole route or whatever. So I just helped out. Anyway, so yeah, it's amazing. It was crazy stuff. But, um, no, I think they actually they tried to get my, my manager tried to get my hours down a little bit because I was I would probably only maybe doing like maybe 40 a week, maybe a little more. But the thing about journalism work, and this is true of a lot of jobs, it's not a set schedule. So I'm covering high school basketball games one night. So I might work 12 hours in one day and then I would come in at like noon the next day. So yeah. it just kind of varied on what I had to do. But it was this goes back to, again to the work ethic my parents instilled in me. My first job, my manager is trying to scale back my hours because I'm like trying to work through lunch. Like I'm trying to really push myself and um, he's trying to help me like keep from burning myself out. (laughs) (laughs) What's after this job and how first, how long do you stay at this paper and what's the, what's the next step? Okay. So I, I spent there, I spent a year there basically. And um, that's probably about a good amount of time for an entry level job. Um, But my, the thing was, this is where my career takes a weird turn. So I ended up, really wanting to go and volunteer for an organization in Israel. And they did pay, so it was a paying position, and it was in my career. It was actually to work as a journalist for them. The catch, though, was, and this is something I didn't realize either, again, it goes back to what I was saying before, experience is really only valuable for you. Brand name is what other people care about. Mm. So I went and I did this, and it was awesome. Some of the best two years of my life, definitely the best two years of my single life, I would say. But and you can do that stuff. And when you you're can do that stuff. And, and it was totally yeah. worthwhile, and it was great. 
but it did absolutely nothing for my career. Yeah, nothing on a professional level. You know, and, and it was sad because I had been encouraged that it that would help because I'd get like, I mean, the Middle East is like loaded for journalists. I mean, I got a chance to meet some cool people. I got to be a part of like literally about like wars and terror attacks. You know, like I mean, I'm so like, what year are you in Israel? Is it during the Intifada? Uh, no, well, no, it was afterwards. Thank goodness, actually, because that would have been really scary. I was there from 2000 and let's see, do the math here in my head. Hang on. So 2008 is when I go down there, and I came home at the end. No, 2000 and sorry, just trying to do the go trying to go backwards. 2007, I believe, is when I started. And I get back in 2009, the end of 2009. So it's mid-2007. Nice. So you're like, oh, there's a recession going. I'm just going to go to Israel. Well, see, that, right. no, see they, you guys oh, in America. You guys that was the, uh, take your housing crisis. I'm just going to be yeah, over yeah. here. So that's the problem. <laughs> is Well, that comes back into what happens when I get home. So I had no idea what was going on. Because um, I go to Israel, and, of course, you know, I'm worried about, like, literally, them, they, could fight a, they fight a war while I'm there. Yeah. Uh, which is a pretty big deal. And Not um, uncommon. Well, not not unfortunately, not so uncommon. I did actually have to, you know, make a break for the uh, the missile, uh, store, uh, like bunker room a couple times, uh, because the alarm did go you know, off. That's cool. You're not like doing an internship in France or London <laughs> or like Italy. It's this like, is hardcore. No, I'm, I'm in the middle of the Middle East. It's in the middle of the Middle East. It was pretty intense. Like I seriously uh, showed up at the scene of a couple of terror attacks, uh, which is that was that was definitely like an I. I you, you, you grow up fast when you go to a place where people have literally blown up. Wow. Um, and that was, it was a really good experience. It was intense. Um, taught me more about life probably than about my career. Uh, and I wouldn't, I, w- I don't regret it at all. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where again, like you can do that when you're single, but you have to kind of go, I, if I would encourage anybody, it's like, if you're not moving up and by moving up, that means either getting a better position or a bigger company, your career isn't going anywhere. So that time isn't completely a waste, but it's really for you. Yeah. Just look at it as what it is. That's a personal yeah. time for you. You may have not grown professionally. You probably did. I mean, you're on the scene covering some stuff, but you really probably grew a lot personally and spiritually. Right. And Exactly. You, know, you were in Israel for a reason. There's a reason you didn't choose to go to London or Paris or something right. like that. Really cool. Um, and like you said, you can do that stuff when you're young and single and, right. and unattached. And now you've got stories to tell. Oh, you know, totally. You've, you've literally been places. You've well, literally been in war zones. Like people that are working at, at the Wall Street Journal probably can't say those things. Unless you're working in a war and, zone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was, uh, no, actually, the, one of the things that came out of that, um, besides getting an awesome experience, it's a great organization I worked for. Um, I really appreciate my time there. I, I ended up launching a side business out of that where I run a little website on the side. That's a big um, deal. And that was cool. It doesn't pay very much. Most of the money I get from it um, actually comes from like um, people paying to use my stuff. Um, actually, I think all of it comes from there now, pretty much. But like, I still have a little bit of income coming from that, and it gives me an outlet for my writing. Um, so that's really cool that like I got a chance to uh, build something for myself. So that's one of the that's one of the few like career things because, like I said, it was a great experience, and it probably benefited me, and and it it might have helped my career in an indirect way, but nobody was citing that saying, oh, you worked in Israel, that's why I'm hiring you. After that two-year stint, you get back in the States. We've been, obviously, through the greatest recession since the 30s. Um, what, what happens when you land 
and where do you go f- professionally from from that point? So again, career kind of weird. So I continued to work for the volunteer group from the U.S. because I was trying to get back. But the um, immigration rules in any country are weird. So I was waiting to go back there. While I'm waiting there, I finally decide that you know practically the girl next door that my family's known since I was like 18. So and um, you know since she was 12, 13 is like this is the girl I want to I want I want to marry. Wow. So right about the time I'm I'm kind of almost to that point I'm thinking I really like her. I think this might be the one. I decide I got to leave the volunteer work. Like I got to start <laughs> making real money. <laughs> so I end up like um and my current my father-in-law, current father-in-law actually really it was so funny cuz he kind of like pulled me aside like before um I even had like um really finally made that decision it was just kind of like just for a nice friendly chat like no pressure like i wasn't even dating his daughter at the time he just was like hey look you know you're gonna need a career to get married and you know i'd love to help you in whatever you need which was awesome um and so that's so this guy turns out to be your future father i know right but this conversation started with like no agenda just like hey i know you know your family i can help you he wants to help me out i mean he had at the time he had three unmarried daughters so i think he definitely had motivation but um <laughs> at the same time i think he i think that's i, I don't know i that's one of the things i think like if i had to say okay so we've talked earlier about the importance of working for big companies the reason more than anything is because of trust and and networking is based on trust and in the so if i could say if you're not going to work for a big company find yourself a community of people who are of some import and are trustworthy because those guys, those men and women, will be the ones that will help you f- build your career. And that's really what my whole story is basically about at that point. So I end up, I, I'll leave the volunteer work, wrap that up, um, try to end on a high note with them, try to launch my own little website, news stuff. And that's when I realized that running your own business is really, really, really hard. I can huh. do the writing. I cannot do the selling. And yeah. it kind of it founders. Or the web development and everything like that that goes along with it. It's He's just like, a you lot. You just want to write. I just want to, yeah. I wanted, I'm the artist, but I don't have the PR guy, but I have to be the PR yeah, guy. Yeah. So I ended up. Which takes up from your writing time. Yeah, right, exactly. And I don't really know, I don't know what I'm doing. So I go for probably a, um, two and a half, three months, and it's going really nowhere. I'm making really no more money than I was at the beginning. And um, I'm not really going to have a clear path to growth. So I start looking for a new job. And at this point, I'm engaged, so I'm like, that, I'm, "That's a that's a big deal. It's a big okay. deal." Is it the girl that you were just talking oh, about? Oh, totally. All uh, right. So the the quote unquote girl next door, your family's known forever. You get engaged to her, and that father-in-law that was helping you out just purely turns out he's going to be your father-in-law. He's going to be my father-in-law. All the, right. The catch, though, and I actually res- I really respect him for doing this, is he doesn't want us getting married until I can support a family. Which was a smart move. It's a very common theme on this show to have <laughs> what Brock Wright called archaic father-in-laws that require you to actually have a job before you get married. I know, right? Uh, but, you know, I, I respect that so much, and I would totally do the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, because he's trusting you with really his most valuable position outside of, I guess, his wife is his daughter. And he wants you, he wants the two of you to start on the right foot. And marriage is a beautiful thing but it takes a lot of hard work number one reason for divorce is finances right so, so you don't want to like if you don't you don't want to start underwater when you get going so it was a really smart move on his part and it also got me motivated uh you know that's why so i really at this point i'm thinking okay so the 
the side business is not going as far as I wanted it to start looking for a new job. And this is where the great recession, um, this is when I started to feel it. So up until that All point, right. I had the only job I'd ever applied for as a career kind of move where like it was a typical, you know, interview. I got in like, I got my first job out of college in six weeks, basically. Like, that was at the paper. It was a paper. Yeah. So it was like, no big deal. I'm like thinking to myself, I've got time in Israel. I've been working in my profession for like five Four years. Four year degree, 4.0. Four years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got lots of experience. My, I think I'm a pretty good writer. I've got like, I've got a lot of stuff in my, uh, you know, dossier of material I've done. Um, this is going to be a piece of cake. Start applying for jobs, and I'm like, I'm only going to focus on jobs that are within driving distance of here because I want to live here, and that's it. I spend nine months looking for a job in my my profession. I get like maybe a, a half no dozen interviews. I mean, not even interviews. Like, like nine months. Nine months. I, and the crazy part is, like, it's it's a double whammy. So it's the Great Recession, and it's the technological revolution of the journalism industry. So basically, wow. I'm at like. I'm pretty much in I'm like the worst possible situation for as a professional because I have too much experience for a small paper to want to hire me to be an entry level person. Yeah. But I do not have any noteworthy experience for a big paper to hire me. I have no network because the only guy in the United States that I know because I was working overseas um, that's still even really in journalism by this point, like like really not in a little tiny community paper, but actually really is my old professor. Um, and so he's got a couple of connections here and there, but that's basically it. So it's like I end up, um, I'm applying everywhere. I seriously put in, a, like a, 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 I put in an offer for Wyoming. Thank goodness I didn't get that job because I wow. don't want to live in Wyoming. <laughs> but like no offense to those in Wyoming. But it's just, it was so far, so far away from where I live now. My parent family is here and my wife's family is here. So like, and, and I'm looking at numbers like psychotically low. Like, I mean, we're talking, I'm me making about the same I made when I got out of college. Wow. So it's I hard to get married off that. You can't. can't I mean, right. like, like, I mean, I'm, I'm seriously like trying like, okay, if we work, in this tiny little town, I'm making twenty three, twenty four thousand dollars a year. If we can get the we can get the cheapest apartment in town for like four hundred bucks a month, I think we might be able to scrape by. Wow. Like, I mean, it's 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 scary, and um, like I really. So at this point, so it sounds like at this point you could definitely have some pointers on what not to do in journalism, on on how to apply for or, or get make it in the in the Charlotte journalism world. Yeah, well, like I said, the number one thing is is um, work for somebody that people recognize. Yeah, I mean, I think that really, really hurt me. So, what did you do during those nine months? So, well, this is the thing. This goes back to um, my dad and my dad believing that work is good. Yeah, and um, and and my father in law wanting me to have a job. <laughs> so, um, I ended up at this point totally desperate. But I've been uh, I can't remember exactly the reason why I did this, but basically the idea is you could. See, People are more like to hire you if you have a job. Yeah, I've heard that. So I'm working as a little like little side job, my own business, but like no one's going to hire you going, so you work for yourself? Because entrepreneur is just usually synonymous with unemployed. Right. Yeah. It, it, well, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. So I decided I'm applying anywhere and everywhere to just get something, to start making some money so I have something on my resume. And maybe, you know, it turns into something. Okay. But um, it is so hard in this market to get a job that I literally end up deciding to work for um retail okay. never done that before 
All right. So that was a new one for me. And I really kind of... What's the retail called? Staples. I work right. Staples. And they hired me making minimum wage. I kid you not. Wow. I have a college degree. I am moving Time abroad. boxes yeah. of paper for like seven twenty-five an hour. Wow. And not even full-time because they only gave me like 35... Like it ranged from like 32 to 40 hours a week. Yeah, because they don't want to give you benefits. Right. They, yeah, they just, exactly. So they're paying me less. They're, Which they're, I'm all for. Smart company. Oh, it's a smart company. <laughs> and, and it wasn't a bad exper- experience. It's just, it's not, it's not fun work. And, yeah. but the thing is like, okay, so when I was there, I really started to identify with the story, the biblical story of Joseph. So if you know the story of Joseph, he has his dream to be a ruler, a, a leader. Um, he ends up getting sold into slavery. He ends up, and he succeeds. And then he gets falsely accused, ends up in prison, and he succeeds again. And he like he, he he always keeps working hard, and he keeps like networking with the right people. Just I've heard to, a lot of people a use the phrase "bloom where you're planted" and relate to that story. Something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So like he basically he never he never changes. He's always a hard worker. He he's always uh, caring to people around him, but he has no expectation for anything from them. And then in the end, one of the guys that he just happens to be nice to when he's in prison ends up like being one of the king's servants tells pharaoh hey i know this guy they can be able to help you out pharaoh pulls him out he's so impressed with joseph he makes him the second most important person in egypt so i'm working for staples and i'm feeling like joseph in slavery land like it's it's humiliating quite frankly to go from being like a college degree looking at like i'm making less money than i ever made before i'm working a job where um you know a lot of the people you're working with are high schoolers yeah but then at the crazy part was you realize it's not that like I'm working with a guy who used to build helicopters, but the the economy is so terrible. He's yeah. stuck working at Staples. I'm working with another guy that's older than I am. Who's this is the career that he's stuck in because like that's the, the every, I was shocked. Everybody's quite, got a story. Not to try to be too like political, but I was shocked that President Obama got reelected because I was when I was working looking for a job. It was like there's no way you can say that things are okay. Yeah. And this is 2010. So the, the Great Recession's been raging. Like, I didn't just get leveled at the beginning. I was, this is a couple of years into it, and it's still really bad. And I'm applying to, like, all sorts of jobs, all sorts of opportunities, trying something, anything. Um, and finally, I realized that my career is less important than my family that I want to have. Wow, that's a that's a big moment for. for it was hard. Um, I didn't want to do that, but I, it was becoming obvious to me that I was gonna ha- not be able to find a job in what I had been doing, and if I could find one, it was gonna be very difficult to make enough money to raise a family on it. Like maybe we could get married and scrape by, but I want to have a kids, you know. Like I, I, I th- even at the time, in my pathetic understanding of how much things really cost, there was no way that I was gonna be able to get to that point anytime soon. And so finally, so this is a really big turning point and, and lesson for, let's say, the artist out there. Your art was journalism and writing, but there's a lot of arts. Let's say there's the the, the guitar player out there, the musician, the painter, um, you know, like you said earlier. And, and statistically, working in those creative art type fields are not necessarily going to pay you above the poverty wage at scale. Statistically, they might that you, you somebody there's always going to be the one off there's always going to be the best in the world who's painting for kings there's always going to be the artist who makes it there's always going to be the piano player who's playing in New York but statistically if you want to really 
make some serious dough, you're going to have to pivot. Not saying you can't write for a living, but you can't write for newspapers for a living. Right. That's pretty much true. Um, and that's actually... I find that a lot with UX designers, a lot in my field in finance, mm-hmm. where I find UX designers, highly creative people, went to art school, um, but now they're using their art to design and think like an artist right. in software and things like that. And they're, of course, making a lot of good money. And then right. they can pursue art on the side, do their thing at their home or anything like that. But they're 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 going where the budgets are at, pretty much. Right. And that's the thing is you have to get creative with it. And that's um, what Rabbi Daniel Lappin uh, mentions in um, some of his writings that, like, uh, he knew someone who was a school teacher, uh, very qualified, very good at their job, getting paid nothing. Um, and instead, they became a private tutor. Hmm. and now they're making double what they're making before, but they're doing what they love. So it's yeah. like, you can do both. The thing was, for me, was, uh, this is another thing I would recommend. So let's say if you find yourself in a position where you're unemployed, either you got fired or you're coming out of school and you have trouble finding a job or whatever, um, the most important thing is to break yourself down and figure out what it is that you're good at. Not what t- things can you do, but why are you good at those things? Hmm. And that was really good for me because That's I had like a always lesson in self-awareness. Like you s- yeah. seem like at this point, what you're just describing is taking apart yourself, like deconstructing yourself, getting up and 30,000 feet and looking at you from the outside and saying, what are you good at? What can deconstructing what makes up you? Right. And but so I think the important thing is you cannot focus on the things you do because I, I thought I was a writer and I thought that was what I was good at. I had to think about why I liked writing and what it was that I thought I did well in my writing. What I realized is that I actually, it wasn't so much that my skill at writing was all that elite. It was more that I really um, liked to analyze things. I'd break things down. I'd catch the nuances. You know, I'd tried, I'd, if I had time to review my own work, I wouldn't make, you know, very many mistakes. It's like I, I found that, like, I was somebody who could pick things apart. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and that became, so that's our thinking like, okay, so now when I'm pitching myself, looking for a brand new career, that's what I'm pitching. I'm saying, wow. give, me a, give me a job where you need somebody who's detail oriented, who can think through something, who can see things from 19 different angles and is going to spend the time to really explain it. That's what I can do because um, that's what I know that I'm good Such at. Such a better way to phrase something. And that, I think it was, I can't remember who taught me that, but that was really a really good lesson to prepare myself. And um, this goes back to the networking thing. And you, we talked before we got started here about importance of having community and friends. So I had a friend in school, uh, growing up whose spouse, uh, told me, uh, was in journalism as well. No jobs, uh, shifted to PR and, uh, same reason that I'm looking at, knows no money there. And, um, so I started thinking, okay, I could possibly do public relations, but my friend, um, or on the call together, like talking to the spouse, just mentions, hey, also have people who are working in paralegal work because it's a good opportunity to get into a profession that makes good money, um, but you don't have to have a college degree in that field to start there. So I um, took both those things to note and uh, started applying in those areas. So I, like at this point, I'm realizing I needed a better network. So I'm literally, I remember I actually went to a PR firm the, I don't even think they're hiring. I think I just went and just I, I find the guy on LinkedIn or whatever else, find him on their website, say, hey, I just want to talk to you. Do you have an hour on Tuesday morning for me to swing by and just find out what it is you do? Wow. Then um, It's completely cold. Found cold totally LinkedIn. cold. Absolutely cold. Then 
I'm thinking the same thing with the legal world. So I, I contact a um, family friend at a, the uh, the uh, church, I guess you could call it, we're going to at the time. And um, and I ask her, you know, hey, can I can we have can can I have lunch with you just to know what it is you do? Like, I want to know what it means to be a paralegal to see if I'd be any good at it and so forth. And it's out of that. I get a call like half an hour, hour later. She says, hey, my firm is hiring. Like, I think you should, you know, look into it. Maybe you should just go and apply. Um, this is during that nine months. Of this is the nine months. Firm. Towards the end of the nine months, everything is a mess. And the thing is, that's, it goes back to the Joseph story. So Joseph helps the king's steward because he's a good guy, not because he wants the king's steward to help him. Hmm. And th- uh, speaking of our, our man Harvey earlier, uh, Harvey McKay. We'll put a link to him. Yeah, his his book, uh, dig, how, how to Dig, dig a Well Before, well you're, before thirsty. you're Thirsty. Awesome book. I wish I read it before when I was looking for a job. But his point is you've got to build the relationships before you need something. Nobody wants to be used. But if you already know people, then when you need something, they're going to want to help you. And that was the beauty about this. So I, I you know, my family already knows this, this woman. Um, I'd done stuff with, like, young adult stuff with her before. So, like, we're not... It was like we're acquaintances, I would say, and um, so I'm looking for a job. I don't ask for a job. I'm just looking for one. She calls me to say, "Hey, my firm's hiring. You should try it out." So I go to the, do the interview. Um, I think it goes okay, but the problem is I have this is a big deal. So you're engaged. This is during the nine months you're looking for a job, and now you finally have an interview. This is a big moment. Well, yeah, we've had a couple interviews, but they hadn't gone so well. All right, so, so you've got some practice before this one. Well, yeah, well, the, well, I thought the interviews go well, but you never know. I didn't get the job. That's yeah. what mattered. So the only interview. You know, a funny thing I heard about someone. I was talking to someone at work, and they were like, "Yeah, during interviews, we always let people think." that they're doing great because we ultimately want to see the best in them and we need to make them feel highly comfortable. So like, yeah, like what you're saying is great like this because they're trying to bring out the best. And then when you leave, it's, it's like the honest feedback. Yeah. We just saw the best and, and we weren't impressed or we just saw the best. We were impressed. So I just, I just learned that the other day. So the, that's what you think. That's why I thought used to think every interview went well. I know. Right. That's uh, the crazy part is of course, most places don't tell you why you didn't get picked. Yeah. yeah. They don't it have time. Just, yeah. So I, um, I, I didn't even know what I was doing wrong. I was like, what am I doing wrong? Anyway, so finally I go to this interview at the law firm and the issue of, not surprisingly, zero experience. <laughs> I mean, I got nothing. The only thing I can pitch are is I'm very detail-oriented. I'm an analyst type person. I figured that out about myself. And what my mom put into me, I can know how to learn. Wow. I can pick up anything and I will be a master at it because I have to be. That's just who I am. Hmm. And so that's like, um, that was, that was my pitch. Unfortunately, it didn't work. And the guy, <laughs> like the, the partner, he's like, you know, we really liked you. We would love to have hired you, but we just really needed somebody who can do, who had some experience and we just can't put you in this role right now. Okay, fine. So at this point I'm calling up, I'm trying anything I can. So cold calling. So you're engaged. I'm engaged. And you come from a religious background. So like being married that's like a big deal. That's the goal. You oh, that. exit slavery pretty much and you enter a world of freedom versus what most people say, like, oh, marriage, bondage, slavery. Oh, no, You're like is, thinking the opposite. I'm working for. You're a religious person. So marriage, there's a big desire for you to get a job so you can cross that finish, finish line. Exactly. And um, and in the end, just want to say out there, it was totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> my marriage, my wife is amazing. It's the best it. thing that ever happened to me. So, um it was brutal to get there, but it was absolutely worth it. But anyway, so I'm at this point, 
Um, and so now I'm getting, I'm cold calling like other law firms. Can I just come and like sit and talk to you for half an hour? And it's cool you that do? your mind has expanded now saying, Hey, my journalism equals I have, I could work for a paralegal, which at the beginning of this nine months, you never would have even known that industry existed. Exactly. And that's another thing is to anyone who's out there looking for a job is realize that there's probably a million jobs you've never heard of that are exactly what's good for you. Yeah. And so that's I, good end, advice. I end up going to this one firm and just tell you what, it's just, you start really feeling that about <laughs> something about yourself. I go to the firm. I go up there. I interview. I, I just chat with the guy. I just talk to him. At the end of it, I just go in and ask, like, hey, do you have any positions or anything? Like, you're looking for anything? And they're you like. You showed up at this law firm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Without I, I applying. Turned, well, the thing is, they, the guy does know. So my father-in-law is an IT Future guy. Future father-in-law. Future father-in-law. Not yet. I, he will be. Um, amazing man. He's a, he's a, he runs his own business, IT, all over um, the yeah. Charlotte Matthews area and now all the way up into Canada. But um, so he has connections across every industry. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, not huge companies, but small businesses all over the place. So he knows this one guy and I was like, hey, look, my future father-in-law happens to be your IT guy. Can I just come and talk to you? So he lets me come by and I ask and we talk for a little while. And finally, he's like, yeah, unfortunately, we don't really have an internship opportunity for you here. Uh, Really would be better suited for like college student. And, you know, that's the other great part. Like not too political again, but um, government, I think it was actually President Obama that put this in place. In an effort to prevent interns from being taken advantage of, they put in a fun little rule, which is that you have to get something for your internship. It either has to be paid or it has to be a um, college credit. I'm not in college anymore, and no one wants to pay me. <laughs> so I can't even get an internship. They're giving it to an 18 year old who's been cleaning tables before. Yeah. And here I am, I'm like 27, uh, now I'm 28. I'm trying to get uh, my uh, a new career going wow. and I can't even get in the ground floor. So finally, after all of this- I'll take it you're not a fan of that that rule. Oh my goodness, I think it's a huge mistake. Because <laughs> I think, because the thing is, like I don't understand the desire not to, people take people adva- to get people taken advantage of, but at some level you have to prove yourself. So, okay, this is where things get kind of weird. So I ended up, I, I even call, I'm like checking in to see like, do I want to get like a paralegal degree? What can I do? And finally I decide worst case scenario, let's just see if the law firm I applied to before would let me spend three weeks kind of just learning the ropes. This is the one you interviewed with. Interviewed for, yeah. That or you're free. the lady works at? Yeah, the lady works All there. Right. So I'm like, can I just spend some time with you guys to work for you for free? I just need experience for free. Wow. If not looking for a real internship, you know, we're not going to break any laws or anything. I hope not anyway, but that's like, I just want to spend three weeks working for you just to put that on my resume. That's all I want. And, um, she called, she get. so this is a, this is a big turning point. I mean, you're working at Staples at this point for wage. seven fifty whatever an hour. Um, so we're trying to get zero to 60 just to bring it back. So home. we're going backwards. So we went from 22 to like, 14 right <laughs> one two step backwards um you, you've got a job you're trying to get married and this is a big turning point i've been applying for nine months different places online even in wyoming and so i imagine you say something like hey the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again let me think differently here so you literally go to a place and say i will work for you for free is that what happened that's exactly what happened wow i went to this place what's and going s- on mentally before you like pick up the phone you're just like mad like you know what i'm just gonna I'm gonna do something. Um, like what's what's going through your mind I before you I actually get cried to in that my car, place? But it was pretty close. Like I, 
I was at, after that one talk and I realized that like I couldn't even get an internship and I'm trying to figure out if I want to pay money to go get a degree in a career I don't even know if I want yeah and it's like I've just at, I'm at my total wits end there's no more options wow. and I want to get married and I'm tired of all this and the only thing I could think of is I need something on my resume I didn't get this last job because I had no experience I just need some experience yeah and at that point, yeah, desperation. This is a turning point. It's huge. It's like, and I would tell you, I mean, I don't know how possible it is for most people to do this nowadays, but again, with all the legal stuff and whatnot, but like literally not joking, if you can go shadow somebody for a day, do something to get your foot in the door, literally, physically yeah. get your foot in the door. Yeah. Because, um, I, you know, I, okay, it's like you, you, if you would have pitched me, hey, you want to come over to my house for an hour and a half and do yard work, I'm a good guy, I might have said yes. But I was much be much less excited than c come over for an hour and a half and talk about myself. Yeah. So <laughs> if you can tell, if you can offer a service to somebody um, as a benefit, they will do things for you because they'll appreciate what you're doing. So in this case, I contact this, the law firm, send them an email, send the partner an email because I knew who they were now, and say, hey, I applied for your job you know, a month ago, didn't get it, didn't have any experience. I know that was the problem. Hey, look, I just want to work for you for three weeks for free. Just let me, you know, hang out with the paralegals. So you address their problem. They're, they said, hey, we said no to you because of X, Y, Z. And you right. said, hey, X, Y, Z, I am aware of that. I have a rebuttal to that. Yeah, and it's like, and it is, I mean, I, I, I can't remember how I finished it. If I even gave them the opportunity to say, hey, if you like me, you can keep me on. But just like basically was like, look, I just, this all I'm asking for is free work. Yeah. I don't even, like, no promises. I just want that. And so the she sends me an email back. She's like, I'm definitely interested, you know, come by my office tomorrow or lunch or whatever. So I'm like, okay, and great. And you emailed the partner here. Yeah, because I, I, I had met the partners, both okay. of them. Small the, firm. Small firm. Okay. So I emailed both partners. Um, I, I, it's not like Harvey and, Harvey and Jessica no, no, partner. No, 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 no. Not like suits. All right, small firm. <laughs> it's a very small firm. Um, and I, uh, so I drive down there, and I, I'm thinking to myself, like, I just listened Go back to Rabbi Lappin again. Just listen to Rabbi Lappin. He's saying like, righteous people ask for a sign. Wow. Like they they it's not because they need God's to act so that they can feel good about themselves or believe it's going to happen, but it's like it's almost like they wanna they wanna prove how good God is. Like so they want to see like, if God does that gives you a sign and it comes true, then it's like it's to God's glory. This is important here because as these nine months are going on, there's probably a lot of negativity. You probably could have started googling how to be a victim or why I can't get a job or like things like that. You don't like need that. to Google how to be a victim. Yeah. That comes naturally. <laughs> but it's like, you're not being a victim right here. You're just the fact that you said, Hey, I'm listening to Rabbi Lappin. So as this turmoil is going on around you, you're saying, I'm going to put positive inputs into my brain. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take in information from successful people in successful places. So just the fact that you're listening to Rabbi Lappin, I think is just a, a huge part of this story. And you're able to, of course, use what he says to, to apply it. So keep going. So, but that's my point though. I talked about earlier about Joseph. It's like, he never changed. Yeah. He's he wasn't prison, a victim. He's a slave. He never changed. And I think like I was at Staples. I, I worked hard. I worked hard enough that I had actually had a restaurant guy offer me a job. It wasn't no. really a career that I wanted, but it was pretty cool. It just show, I mean, literally just, I checked him out at the at the checkout line I helped him get some paper just i mean i did what i was ta taught to do staples is a good company and he was so impressed he literally said you want a job in my restaurant so like if, if you can and that's again you know praise god and and yeah. thanks to my family i mean I, like the joseph story it's all god thing so 
I, that's what I've been taught with. So I'm going to the law firm and I'm, I'm, I'm at telling God, like, look, if this is going to be the, 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 the opportunity for me and my wife, my fiance to finally get married in, to get a job, real job, let her offer me a position because I'm not asking for one. Like, it's insane to go to the same people who literally just turned you down <laughs> and think that you're going to get a job from them. So I'm driving up and I'm sitting in a chair. We're talking about what I'm going to do and kind of like how I can run these three weeks wow. and like the, the tasks that I can possibly do take on. And of course, they're minimum, they're starting level, nothing important. Um, and then the, then she's like, um, you know, and of course, you know, at the end of the three weeks, everything goes well. Like, you know, we should we should probably talk salary. And it's like, excuse me. Wow. Um I'm sorry. I thought I said free, but I'm not going <laughs> to correct you. What? Go on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like I, in my head, I'm not saying these things. In my head, I'm just like totally freaking out. Like, I think she's talking numbers. Wow. I had zero in mind. So this is already better. Anything greater than zero is right. good. It's still not much. I think it was 27, 28. Wow. Which is more than I'd ever made at the New high. New high. Um, real company. Real company. New if high. If the three weeks go well. If the three weeks go well, which they did. Oh, thank goodness. But the work, and this is the thing, it goes back to what I was saying So before. interview over, you get hired. I get hired. Wow. Crazy. So I start you working. You leave that day and you're like, I called this person to work for free and you leave and you like pretty much have a job. I have a job. It's wow. amazing. And that, but that's, again, this goes back to like, think out of the box. Be, in fact, the f- crazy part is. Who was the first person you called after that? That's like a big Well, I definitely wouldn't talk to my fiance, win. you know, so that wow. was the, but the crazy part is like that, that story, actually I knew somebody else who got inspired by that and actually. Uh, you're looking at one of them. I got uh, inspired by that. Well, no, but more than it's just incredible. that, actually tried to do that themselves wow. and uh, also got a job. So <laughs> if you're looking for a job, offering to work for free, even if they can't do that, yeah. it might be worth <laughs> trying. Um, but they, um, anyway, so I started working at the law firm and very basic level, entry level, literally just scanning in documents, pulling documents down from online for the, for, for the lawyers. Um, I eventually work, get, officially they give me the title of paralegal after a while. It's really hard work. I mean, I wow. am, I am, like I said, a meticulous person. I'm the tortoise that wins the race. All right. And I love that. this job is a, like, factory line line i mean you're just as fast as you possibly can we are going through this is the refi boom and you're going through as many refis as you possibly can to get the lawyers to sign off on them and then we're moving on and it was brutal i mean absolutely for me it was brutal and i i kid you not at at about uh, you know three months in manager pulls me aside for like our little three month check-in and she's like things are not going well like oh uh oh uh oh because this is the first time in my life like i'm not doing well and I have no idea what, like, and I mean, my mind's, I'm getting married, like, at the end of the month. My mind's a mess, stressing about getting yeah. everything ready for that. Um, so she's like, I know you've got a lot going on. I know you struggle. But, like, basically, I'm going to give you, you got three more months, and you have to prove yourself, or this is over. No way. I never knew this. Wow. I, it's just, I'm scared out of my mind. Um, but to, to my manager's credit, she's like, I recommend, she has, she has her, like, number two with her. She's like, yeah. go talk to her. Talk to her, spend some time figuring out what she can do better. And so I do that. It's like shift right back into le- teach yourself mode. And that's a big deal because companies don't want to fire you. They've already got so much time and energy invested. They want you to, to succeed. They do. And that's the thing is I think that's why you get your foot in the door. Yeah. Once you get your foot in the door, you can do a lot. Like once they've invested three weeks of their time in you, like you were offering, they've got an incentive to hire you. They have an you. incentive. Yeah, I think they spent three months three of training weeks. me. Yeah. So – I, and plus, also in this case, I've made myself to be a you know not say a friend, but um, liked by the partners, which definitely very good, helped. Very good. Um, 
but the point is though that like this goes back to us but that only goes so far you were about to find out if you didn't do good work you're gonna get fired whether they liked you or not oh exactly that's totally true but then on top of that though this is goes back to something um saying earlier it's like you've got to be able to learn and and you have to be humble enough to hear someone basically say you're doing bad enough to get fired suck it up and go learn Get better. Go talk to my number so two. I, 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 I do exactly what she says. <laughs> Pull aside the number two. What can I do better? She kind of helps me get through like a better process, streamline my efforts a little bit, learn to not do, because I'm trying too hard, basically. Like part of the problem is I'm spending too much time. Like I am meticulous. I want to give, they're like, the lawyers will take care of half this stuff. You just get the stuff in the system. Let them work on it. Okay, fine. So I start working on that. And this is, this goes back. I say it's a God thing. And I, I credit my parents, whatever else. You work hard, you work to learn, and I just ran with that as fast and as hard as I could. Wow. So I start like um, working in a small company. People change all the time. People quit. Oh, yeah. Like people get fired. Like yeah. crazy stuff happens. And you got to wear a bunch of hats. You got to wear a bunch of hats. I am raising my hand every single time. It's an opportunity. It's like I can fill in for them. Tra- side train me on this. You guys need help? Just teach me how to do it. Wow. And so like I learned to do like two or three different jobs just because. Yeah. And um, by the time I get to like my six months, I'm good. There's no raise in store for me, but I'm good. So I'm, they're not going to fire not me. Fired. Um, You're married at this point. Married at this point. Things are going well uh, with you that. You realize you like people again. Oh, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Three months later. Okay, so this is six months after I'm being told I'm on the, on the, I'm on the chopping block. Six months later, they have pulled me aside and said, so-and-so is leaving. We want you to take your position. It's higher responsibility. There's no pay raise. But it's a, it's basically a promotion. Yeah. And and the key was this is absolutely critical. I spent all that time cross training, working my my butt off, trying to do everything I can to um, impress my bosses. Yeah. And it's like and that's so I was like you just never stop learning. You just keep yeah. trying to do more. So I was like I was inspired. Hmm. So I start working. I'm doing this work, new work. It's a big it's a big deal. And these interviews I'm doing with zero to sixty, one of the keys for people that succeed is cross training cross training whether it's you're at a country club or you're at a law firm you learn to do every task and make yourself more valuable to that company because think about it this way let's say not only you're more valuable to the company but if you it's like goes back to the whole thing reason i got that the first job with it being editor-in-chief yeah the the boss is thinking if i need to replace somebody who can do a job that i don't trust to just anyone the guy that knows how to do everything else in the office is probably the one that I'm going to trust through the new job. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so that's what I tried to do. And so eventually, refi industry implodes. Yep. Law firm is, they're a small firm, but to their credit, they're really trying not to lay people off. But there's like no hours. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm getting paid technically kind of hourly, but so they're just trying so to get me enough hours. when you're raising your hand and everything during that boom, you were getting some overtime, making yeah, yeah. some good money. Um, let's go back zero to 60. What's what's the figure there? You're at 27. That hasn't over- really changed. So I'm making well, the with, same. What about overtime? Do you get Yeah, yeah you I'm get getting overtime. That? I'm getting bonuses. Okay. So I'm probably. It's uh, a big deal. Including my side business, I probably crossed the 40 mark that year. No way. Um, which was good. So this now you said is, including your side business. Like side business. Is it bringing $1,000 a year? More than that. Okay. I pull in I was probably pulling in a little under five. All right. So that's that's no joke. It's no joke. All right. Um it pays for itself at least. Yeah, yeah. It pays for it that you can afford hosting for five grand a year. Yes. Um, very cool. So about thirty five ish with bonuses. So you're at twenty seven, maybe about seven to eight grand in bonuses. Yeah. You got a side Give business. You're making about five grand. So you're about 
at this point about 40k so we've we've doubled since college yes we have so that's really good and we're two-thirds of the way to 60 we're two-thirds of the way in so then at this point um refi industry implodes and i'm literally i'm not even cross-training for my own jobs anymore i'm going out of like i'm walking down the hall to go find the other paralegals like show me what you do wow i'm bored i don't want to just read a book i want to make some use of my time Mm. i'm getting paid yeah so like um because i had to be there that's a big differentiator there's a lot of people who would have just read a book or who would have surfed the internet or who would have been on facebook but yeah and i did some of that too because there was not enough time but like i i wanted to do something yeah because work is good. Because work is good. Wow. And so um, they finally, they're like, okay, so we're shifting gears from refis to REOs. Basically, um, anything that's like foreclosures and whatnot, yeah. we're flipping those properties. Real estate owned. Real estate that's what owned. what it stands for. So, yeah, see, thank you. Um, getting back in the jargon again. Anyway, so I go down and I start working with that. And I, who's my boss? But the girl from church that originally helped me get the job no in the way. first place. Wow. So I go down there and I work, I'm working with her for about six months, but I'm realizing. You've come a long way since, uh, since she referred to you for that first interview. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So wow. it's, it's only been a year and a half, but I've, I've now been essentially promoted twice. Income hasn't changed. And that's ultimately when you realize when you work for a small company, there's a really low glass ceiling. They literally just don't have the budgets. Well, and they don't have the positions. Yeah. So like, I'm thinking to myself, like my boss is like 34 and lives and breathes her job my my pay hasn't gone up with two promotions and the industry's not doing great so they're not like rolling in it either yeah yeah. so there's no way i'm getting promoted now so similar mindset to journalism like i'm not i'm not going anywhere nowhere all right so that's, I maxed good, out. that's really good self-awareness so this is the the i'm going i'm kind of back i've got a job now i have money but i'm kind of back where i was when i was looking for a job my career is guy that got to grow or got to change So start looking again for a job. I'm kicking around things. And I've learned my lesson from before. Like I'm sending out a few like resumes and stuff, but for the most part, like I am, I'm definitely talking to people that I know Yeah. or that my friends know or family knows because networking was critical. Yeah. So I call up a longtime family friend from the church before. He's literally known my father-in-law for like almost as long as I've been alive. Wow. Like, I mean, you know, they're, he's, long time call him up and say hey i just want to know what you do like let me go with you to breakfast turns out he doesn't eat breakfast so it's a really cheap date for me (laughs) um but just like i just want to hear your story like what is it that your job even does so we go and we talk for a little while it talks about his job um and uh he's like you know um i'm like at this point and like do you have any is it any opportunities at wells fargo or whatever else he works at wells fargo at at the bank and I'm like, and he's, and so he's like, well, I, I think there's an, he sends me an email one day, like there's an opportunity for uh, something in their communications department, try checking it out. So I send the resume wow. in, never hear anything. Yeah, just gets lost in cyber world. It's lost in cyber world. And, and so then my wife and I have been wanting to have kids, been married for a little over a year now, hasn't worked yet. And according to the science of it, basically, if you go about a year of trying to have kids and you don't have them, that's when you start thinking something might be wrong. So I've, we've gone almost a year, and I, so I pull him, the same guy aside. This is after I asked about his work. Okay. Pull the same guy aside, nothing to do with work. I just like, because they went through the same thing. Okay. They had a similar experience. They ended up adopting three kid, uh, four kids th- that are awesome. And like, so tell me your story. Hmm. Pull him for breakfast. I just want to hear your story. We're walking out of the breakfast shop. I'm walking to my car on the curb of the street. 
and he just hollers out to me. He's like, hey, I just want – oh, I just remembered. So there's an opening on my team. Wow. I don't know if you would even be interested. It's a totally different field. It's in compliance. But um, if you are, you know, let me know. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Like, what, what did you got? He's like, well, if you're interested, here's the here's, – I'll send you the wow. information how to, inter- how to uh, submit your resume. Um, by the way, the job mostly focuses on this federal rule – you might want to read up on that. <laughs> so Good tidbit to know. Yeah, this goes back, same thing. So the guy can't, even though he's the, ma- the manager, he can't give me the job. He's actually not the one hiring me. He's that person's boss. Yeah. But Wells Fargo, if you've ever worked for corporate, you know, like, HR yeah. is a labyrinth. Oh, yeah. So they have, I get interviewed by four different people. They have, they all ask me basically the same questions. They have to fill out this massive, like, form. Yeah. Like, there's no way you get a job because you know somebody. Yeah, most definitely. They literally just get you in the door by yeah. clicking a upload here form to your resume. It, at best, they get you in the door. Yeah. Really. But the most imp- valuable thing that he gave me was read up on this. That that, that federal rule. That little little tidbit. Wow. So I go back and I'm I'm pulling in my cross training. I'm pulling in my um, teaching yourself thing. Google the thing. Pull it up. Read through it. It's Do you remember the rule? It was like SEC MSRB rule, rule G37. It has wow. become my life for the last three years. <laughs> um, and it's a great rule. Um, it's complicated. And like most federal regulations, it is very boring to read. But I realized that I have a problem. I have zero experience in this field. I'm currently working as a paralegal. And that's one of the reasons why he offered me, like even suggested it, because this particular job, the, one of the minimum qualifications was time as a paralegal. So although, although you didn't get pay increases at the law firm that title paralegal is going to pay dividends absolutely huge and that's another thing i gotta say is like um not that you want to be like all about the titles titles mean something yeah yeah most (laughs) definitely you can put that on your resume yeah so get the the ranges of paralegals are 25k to 125k yeah it can so be, no, yeah. people don't know you're yeah. just like i'm paralegal to law firm yeah well, it, well it's not but but it was that my job did change yeah. like at least i don't know if it was the whole way to the paralegal i may have been doing some of the same work but my responsibilities were growing yeah and that's why they gave me the title change and so that's like or at least my ta- my abilities were growing so like i think that like i did earn it but it's like so i'm labeled a paralegal that's good enough to get me in the door at wells fargo okay but so what i end up doing is i pull up this rule read through it it's very boring, very dense. And I think to myself, how on earth can I prove that I can handle this? So I write a one-page essay explaining the rule. Amazing. I just take the rule apart. Hey, you put your I, journalism hat back yeah, on. put the hat back on. Um, and I just write, here is what this is about. Did it take you back to like when your mom gave you an assignment of like, <laughs> what did you say, the book Copperfield or Copper? Oh, so David Copperfield, David Copperfield. not the magician. Yeah. Um, it kind of really what it took me back to more than anything probably was it's kind like, of like writing an essay and on old English stuff. Oh man, yeah, yeah. It did. yeah that's true. That's wow. true. Reading comprehension, boy, that King James and Charles Dickens that pays <laughs> off because like rules and laws in the government are not easy to read. Wow. So I, I I sit down, I write this summary, and I include that with my resume. So we upload it to the website. I bet you were the only person to do that. It got mentioned in my interview. Wow. One of the guys is like, so I saw that you, he, he pulls it out or whatever else. I brought him a copy or something anyway for the interview. And he's like, so I saw that you um, wrote this, you know, extra essay and whatnot. And that's pretty cool or whatever. I can't remember exactly what he said, but like he specifically highlighted that. Yeah. Um, so that goes back again to the same thing I'm saying before. Like just because, because that's the thing about 
any major jo- company. Yeah. There are only so many jobs that you have got to have a degree in and, or experience in. Every industry has an entry level somewhere yeah. where you can't have any experience. That's the understood yeah, minimum. Yeah. All they want to know is if I hire you, are you a good enough person that you're going to do good work? And can you learn how to do it? Yeah. So like at the law firm, all I was offering them was a, a blank slate. And they actually told me like we wanted to, like even before they- You have they no bad habits. You, they wanted to hire you because you have no bad habits. You don't learn the wrong way. We can start from scratch with you. So that's all. That's an advantage. Like play that up. If you haven't done, if you're looking for a new career or a yeah. new job, play up the fact that you have no experience as a good thing. Learn how to sell that. So I go in there, do the interviews, and my my friend, he's like, so the guy who used to have your job, the job that you want, is so and so. Here's his email address. And I'm like, oh, can I contact him? To, I want to learn more about the job. He's like, sure. Go ahead and send him an email. So I give him an email have a phone call conversation with him. This is before I get like all my interviews done so that when I talk to the hiring manager, I am stoked about this job. Like I know what the job does. I'm telling her how great it's going to be, how I'm going to be so good at this stuff. Talk about prep for an interview. And that's, I tell you what, that is, I think that's huge. Like, cause you have got to find a way to set yourself apart. Yeah. I'm one of, I mean, these your like, stunning good looks do it, <laughs> but but those two things probably put you over the edge. Well, because the thing is, like, well, first off, the internet they can't see the stunning good looks, but more <laughs> importantly, um, you are literally in a stack of paper. Yeah, and all you are is paper. Yeah, and you've got to find something. Like, um, I remember looking at Greg Bartos's resume when he was looking for a job recently, uh, a new job, and I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me is like the thing is looks like a piece of art. Like it's got all these cool yeah. graphics and it's all doesn't look anything like your typical. He doesn't line work in government regulations, so it's a little easier. No, he does work <laughs> in art type stuff. He works in in, uh, in marketing. In so. UX, yeah. Yeah, but he um, but the point is, you have to use something that sets you apart. So this is how I set myself apart. How do I set myself apart? I use my brain and I use my journalism skills because this is the one thing I've got that's different. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way of thinking. So like lesson learned out there is, don't be different but that doesn't mean you have to deviate from yourself right but find because find what makes you special yeah because it's something it's always something so you're in this interview going back to harvey mckay has this really good quote says little things don't mean um don't mean a lot they mean everything yeah so this little thing of you writing an essay you call in the guy so it, it sounds like you really listen really well because you're leaving the parking lot. It's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, Google this federal MSRB rule, whatever you just said. Oh, yeah, here's the guy's contacts. Like those two things equaled one, high enthusiasm and knowledge about the job, and two, uh, an essay about about this, this new federal rule. So you're interviewing what happens. The interviews are, are kind of intense, um, but they go well, I think. Uh, they take, You're they, obviously long. very well prepared. I would hope so. Um, I felt like that was. Um, and then, it, and then it's like typical cyberspace. You have no idea what happened. Wow. Uh, Thank you notes. Do you follow up with these people? What happened? Well, I, you know, I think. You obviously know, you know, you know the guy's boss. I know, so I know, right. <laughs> so I think I, I think I followed up with them maybe, maybe just to ask like where do things stand? And um, I was told that like they'll make a decision within two to three weeks or whatever. So I just kind of sat sat on it at this point waiting to see what happens because and now that i work in wells fargo i've learned the, the rule like hiring goes so fast like you think so-and-so is an opportunity by the time you've applied chances are they've already picked the person they want for the job oh yeah so you like that um there's not really much time to follow up the follow-up to me was actually less important than the prep 
Um, so I ended up getting, I finally get a call and I got the job. Wow. I'm so stoked. It's enormous. And they I'm leave finally, you a voicemail? Did you pick up when they called? Oh, they call. I picked up when they called. I was okay. waiting for it, you know? Wow. I get the call. I, I'm like, hey, I can step outside for a second. I go outside and um, my, my family friend, who's my new boss's boss, is like, okay, just want to let you know they've decided to offer you the job. Whoa, my goodness. Wow. This is huge. Because I am finally getting out of. Oh, my goodness. Above this glass ceiling. I've got it. I finally wow. an opportunity that can grow. Yeah. I'm working for a company that's like huge, enormous, the second largest bank in the world. And, um, and I've, and the point of the show, I finally crossed 60 K really. So my first major corporation job, so you go from like 27 with bonuses, we'll call it 40 ish yeah. with your side business. And when they call you and offer you a job, it starts it's at over 60 K. Wow. And with bonus as an option, if you do well. <laughs> oh my goodness. So like it was, I mean, it was enormous. Talk about I mean, hockey stick. Yeah, my, 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 <laughs> my wife and I are like, I mean, we, we had to have like a budget planning session to figure out what we're going to do with all the new money. Yeah. Like it was huge. It was a huge jump for us and it was really important. But like, that's, um, that's the word of the wise. It's amazing how fast you can figure out how to spend it. But the, uh, the point is though, that like you can do that when you, um, when you do find the big company, you find yeah. the opportunities. Compliance is a job that didn't even exist when I was in college, really, um, not as an industry. And it's definitely a job that they don't, they're not making very many majors in. Yeah. So that's what I said about earlier, like figure out what you're good at, what makes you special, and then find a job that fits that. Because chances are there probably is one and you've never heard of it before. And you'd be surprised at how much it can pay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about about this show. It's not like how to be a millionaire. So it's not like how to focus on being the best journalist in the world and therefore you start winning Nobel Peace Prizes for, for journalism. It's This is literally not how to found the next Facebook, how to be able to, to not drink Bush Light anymore, how to get to 60K, how to how to just get to that level where you can finally save some money, like you said. Yeah. Um, so what is the, are you allowed to tell me the offer or just like above 60K? Um, I think it was 65. That is too cool. Which was huge. It was yeah, huge. 65 with bonuses. Yeah, with bonuses. That's amazing. Like, what a, you got to be jumping for joy. I'm ecstatic. I mean, of course, I had to ask if there was any room to negotiate because you should you always start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I was told very clearly that they kind of, um, they definitely worked with my minimum experience to get me into the role. So like, no, 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 there's no room for room. Okay. That's fine. Totally happy by the way. Love this. <laughs> Talk about some chutzpah even ask that. I just, well, it helps that it was a friend, but at the yeah, same yeah. time it was like, I figured like you, if you're going to get the offer, you have at least try. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Um, uh, but I was, to but I was floored. Like I, the thing is I was 50%. only trying because I'm trying to you be wise. Your income goes 50 I was so up. excited because it was, wow. it was more than I'd ever made before. Way more. And it, more importantly, it gave me a path. Like I knew. And Wells Fargo is highly credible. Highly credible. And it's a career path. Like I can yeah, go in. That's a good point. I can possibly get a new job. I know that I'm in a massive corporation. I can move around. Transfer, yeah. Um, you know, you're looking at the pay scale for the job you're in and you're realizing it's you're not getting the max. So you can wow. just room to grow. Yeah. You know, so it's like there's a lot of opportunity. And I think that that's, that's what I was saying earlier. Like big companies, you are a small cog in an enormous machine. If you can handle that, they're beautiful. Yeah. They pay really well. They yeah. give you better benefits. You have anonymity, but that's, I don't care. I don't need a plaque. Yeah. I just want to do my job. And the crazy part was, I didn't even know this job existed. On the surface level, it probably sounds pretty boring, 
but I sit and I start doing it and I find this is what I was made to do. <laughs> oh I not to gosh, say that I necessarily like wake up in the morning it. and like, I'm so excited. I'm going to work. There's parts of it, the job that are no fun, Yeah. but I feel good about it. Like I know it's work I'm good at. And yeah. I, like the law firm was hard. It was hard work because I wasn't good at it. I had to push myself. This is, is like, good. I mean, this is, this, yeah, work is good, but this is actually work that I'm good at naturally. Like my job is to sit down, pick things apart, find out what's wrong. You know, it's like the, you know, like playing where's Waldo with like a massive banking corporation, you know, like where's the thing that doesn't look right. <laughs> That's when you know, you really know what you do and you can describe it analogy. Like <laughs> so I, I, it's, it's like, I, I'm, I'm literally, well, well, I don't want to get too far in the details. So I just want to go zero to 60, but what would you, I want to have you on for another time to do, to do the details of that. It's but fine. um, what would you, now that you had experienced this hockey stick, crazy story, hockey stick growth from 40 to 65, um, all this growth, what do you tell that, that kid who just moved back in his parents or that artist who's um, after college just moved back in their parents or that artist who is, you know, wants to do their art or wants to be creative, kind of like you are with journalism. Um, what do you tell that kid um, if, if he just kind of wants to get where you're at, like if he's yeah. on the treadmill of, of creativity and, and in his art? Well, number one, I would say, what do you want? with your life not what do you want right now what do you want with your life because you may have to put your art on the back burner or find a way to reinvent it um you know i i do right now um policies and things like that that aren't like super exciting and i find my outlet for my other writing on a side business and you can make that work um so that's i think number one like find out what you want number two don't label yourself your work label figure out what it is about about you that makes you good at your work that's good because if you can understand yourself then you know you can figure out what you can do if you want to make 60k maybe you're not going to be able to do that playing piano maybe you are maybe not but what you can do is figure out okay what are the skills that may be good at piano can i reapply those what can i do with those and what might use those number three and this is actually this goes back to digging how to dig a well before you're thirsty make friends make mm. me and not don't i'm not talking about like college buddies that you know can smash a beer can in their forehead as impressive as that may be <laughs> but make friends who make money mm. make friends who are older than you make wow. friends who've been in a career for a long time that's good because when you need a job they're the ones that you can go to talk to to figure out what opportunities are out there and they may or may not be able to help you but they can at least tell you how the world works yeah and then last but not least, I would say, this goes back to the whole Joseph story, always be that guy, no matter what the work is. So it, whether you're making minimum wage or you're making 60K, if you continue to be that hardworking person, you will get noticed, it will pay off, but more importantly, it will pay off for you. That's you will feel good about your work, you will build good habits, and in the end, you will That's be really good, good at everything you do, because you will never let yourself be bad, you know? Yeah. That's a, a really good way to put it because usually you hear the story, just be good and it'll pay off later. But I really love your premise. Work is good. Be good. You'll feel good about being good and it'll pay off later. So you get both the now and the later. Yeah, because it may not pay off the way that you expect. Yeah. And and that's the thing is like, that's, that's the, the point of Harvey McKay's book, How to Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty, is you have to put in the work when you have no promise of, mm. of, of getting anything from it. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. But if you can teach yourself to do that, like I just... I it's 
there's a psalm that says, I've never seen a righteous man forsaken with his children begging for bread. The point is that, like, good people have trouble staying down. Yeah. And if you are a good person, hardworking, work hard to learn, it's going to be hard for people not to want to put you in jobs that have more responsibility yeah. and pay better because they want to succeed, yeah. and you will help them do that. That is gold. Thank you. Well, we got to zero. Um, we went to 22. We went back down to 14. <laughs> we doubled that almost to 27. With bonuses, we got to around 35. Side business pushed you to 40. And then who you know and your ability to deconstruct yourself, your level of prep before an interview got you above 60. And now you're working for a big corporation, doing a lot of really big things now um in the professional world but on the personal level you're about to have your first child so congratulations um really enjoyed having you on thank you so much for for everything and for telling your story where can someone find joshua spurlock if they want to connect with you uh i am on linkedin okay. um actually under my side business not as wells fargo All right. um i'm also on facebook but yeah feel free to reach out um i, I it was really huge to get helped um, so I'd be happy to do what I can, but you got to prove yourself. So That's right. I'm just helping anybody. <laughs> but, uh, if you, if you want to do it, I, I would love to help you. Good stuff, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure.